0: This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. Israel is a strict gun control country. As the conflict in the Middle East escalated, the Israeli government was quick to change its laws to encourage more people to arm themselves. It's also a matter of interest as to why Israel... With its strong intelligence capabilities, was not able to discover Hamas's plans beforehand. Advanced equipment and technology are not as invincible as we think. Carrie Lake, a name that has become more and more familiar over the past two years, is increasingly embraced by conservative voters. She also won the endorsement of President Trump. So what's next for her? President Biden's ties to his son's family businesses are very strong. It's not that there was no evidence to prosecute Hunter Biden. It's just that government agencies put obstacles in the way of the prosecutor's actions. But that is now changing. Okay, let's get into it. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues to escalate. On Tuesday, Israel's ruling coalition authorized Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to form an emergency government with the opposition party. The Israeli military says that the remains of some 1,500 Hamas militants have been found inside the country as Israel effectively takes control of the south and regains full control of the border. Meanwhile, Israel is bombarding Gaza from the air, land and sea. In response to Saturday's deadly incursion, the Israeli military says that it has so far attacked more than 1,300 targets in Gaza and it has fired more than 4,500 rockets. On the other hand, Hamas responded that whenever Israel attacks Gaza without warning, it kills one captured Israeli civilian for every attack. But Israel has not deterred and has mobilized 300,000 reservists. This is the largest number in history. All of this indicates that Israel is prepared to launch a ground offensive. Once the Israeli forces enter Gaza, it will be a house-to-house street battle and both sides may have to pay a heavy price. After Hamas raided the Israeli border on October 7th, Mir Am, which is near the Gaza Strip, was reportedly the only intact kibbutz, or communal settlement, in the vicinity. Kibbutzes are unique to Israel where property is shared among the members of the population, the income is divided equally, and food, lodging, and resources are provided free of charge by the kibbutz. Niram's survival was due to the timely response and calmness of Inbar Lieberman, who was a 25-year-old female security coordinator, but most critically, she had weapons in hand. When Lieberman heard explosions at dawn, she quickly realized that something was wrong and she opened the armory to distribute firearms to a team of 12 district security officers that is made up of local residents. Lieberman deployed members of the district security team in strategic locations and they set up ambushes. In more than four hours, Lieberman killed five terrorists by herself while the rest of the team managed to kill 20 others. Niram was transformed into an impregnable fortress under Lieberman's command. The Israeli government has realized that having guns available to the public is an important defense in the face of attacks by evil terrorists. The government has therefore announced it will liberalize its gun laws. In a statement on ex-Israeli National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir said that He had instructed the Firearms Licensing Department, which is responsible for issuing gun licenses, to relax the country's gun licensing standards in order to allow as many citizens as possible to arm themselves. On Tuesday, Inamar Ben-Gavir implemented the first phase of the plan to purchase 4,000 Israeli-manufactured rifles and to distribute them to local security forces in various towns. According to the U.S. DOJ, there is no explicit right to bear arms in Israel, nor is there a provision that is similar to the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The DOJ stated no one may own or carry a gun without showing a reason to do so. A special permit by the Interior Ministry is then required. As a result, Israel's gun ownership rate remains low, with about 2% of the population owning guns. But now, Israelis are taking advantage of the new laws, including women. The Jerusalem Post reported that in the last seven months, the number of women obtaining firearm licenses has increased 88% compared to the same period last year as National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir's program eased restrictions. Since the Hamas attack on October 7th, there has been one question on everyone's mind. With all the resources available to Israeli intelligence, Why didn't they see this attack coming? With arguably the most extensive and well-funded intelligence service in the Middle East, Israel's intelligence agencies has garnered a lot of glory for a range of accomplishments over the decades. For example, Israel has thwarted a plot that was brewing on the west bank of the Jordan River. They hunted down Hamas operatives in Dubai and they eliminated Iranian nuclear scientists in the Iranian heartland. In order for Hamas to prepare and execute such a coordinated and complex attack, Hamas would need to compile and fire thousands of rockets right under the noses of the Israelis. But according to the Israeli defense and U.S. officials, no specific warning was issued by Israeli intelligence before Hamas launched its attack. When asked directly if there had been an intelligence failure on the Israeli side, Ambassador Michael Herzog acknowledged an element of surprise, but he said that the issue of intelligence failures was a matter for future discussion. But the public and the media are not going to wait for government agencies to take their time investigating and then publish a perfect report. Many experts have already begun to explain from their own knowledge of the situation how Hamas managed to build such a huge arsenal of rockets and missiles without Israel Intelligence Services realizing that its stockpile was growing. These explanations can be summarized in one sentence. The primitive practices of the Stone Age have somehow defeated the high-tech means of surveillance. For example, Israel has spent three years building a high-tech smart wall fence on the border of the Gaza Corridor. It is equipped with radar and sensors. This high-tech fence is an attempt to detect clandestine Palestinian attacks against Israel. However, Hamas used bulldozers and other basic tools to cut through the 20-foot high wall. Armed fighters in small trucks or on foot broke through the gaps and made their frontal attack on southern Israel. The high-tech iron wall is a fence, yes, but it has been proven that it's just a fence. The Israeli military has focused in recent years on cyber warfare capabilities, intelligence gathering, advanced weaponry, and specializing in anti-terrorist attacks. Gaza is about half the size of New York's five administrative districts. Over the years, Israel has built a network of electronic intercepts, sensors, and human informants throughout Gaza. Israel and its neighbors have invested heavily in the past in attempts to track and block Hamas's network, often intercepting shipments of missile components. In the past, Israel has carried out precision assassinations of radical Hamas leaders, and Israel is intimately aware of all their movements. At times, agents have accomplished this through drone strikes after installing GPS trackers in their cars. Sometimes they have even used exploding cell phones. But this time... Moss adopted a method that turns people's perceptions upside down. Amir Avivi, the president and founder of the Israel Defense and Security Forum, said that his opponents were going back to the Stone Age. Instead of using telephones and computers, the militants conduct their sensitive business in rooms that are specialized in preventing technological espionage, or they have gone underground since Israel monitors all communications in Gaza. Before I move on, I want to take a moment to thank you all for your support of Front Page. Every like, comment, and share helps more people to see the truth. If you haven't already, please subscribe, and if you have already subscribed, we thank you, but please double check to make sure that you're still subscribed, because some of our audience have reported that they're somehow unsubscribed without their knowledge. We've also heard that many of you don't get notifications of our videos on YouTube anymore, so when you do subscribe on YouTube, please make sure to tap the notification bell as well. Okay, let's get back into it. On Tuesday, Former Arizona gubernatorial Republican candidate, Carrie Lake officially announced that she's running for U.S. Senate in the 2024 election. She announced the decision to her supporters at a rally in Scottsdale, Arizona. When Carrie Lake made the announcement, she received enthusiastic cheers from her supporters.
1: We're on the final hill right now. And I'm not surrendering this hill, (laughs) no. I am not going to retreat. I'm going to stand on top of this hill with every single one of you, and I know you're by my side as I formally announce my candidacy for the United States Senate.
0: When Carrie Lake ran for governor in 2022. She reportedly lost by a narrow margin, but she has been appealing for a recount. She says that she won't back down from a tough race like other politicians.
1: A lot, of people, a, a lot of people have been saying, well, what's next for you, Carrie? What is next? Well, let me tell you, this mama bear has a whole lot of fight left in her. I got a lot of fight left in me. And I'm really tired of watching our politicians retreat from every single important battle. They're cowards. That's how we got into the mess we're in right now because they have surrendered far too many hills.
0: Kerry Lake is running against Penal County Sheriff Mark Lamb. Mark Lamb is the only major candidate who is running for the Republican nomination. The winner of the two will likely face Democratic U.S. Representative Ruben Gallego who is considered the front runner in the Democratic primary. President Trump endorsed Kerry Lake at the rally via a pre-recorded video.
2: It's great to be with you tonight and with your next United States Senator, Carrie Lake. I wish I could be there with everyone, but I'm busy on the campaign trail and fighting off all of the bad people and we're running for president, we're doing really well. We're leading every poll by a lot, in fact record numbers. And when I'm back in the White House, I need strong fighters like Carrie in the Senate. She is a fighter, she's strong, and she's good. She's got a great heart, by the way. For four incredible years, my administration brought historic peace and prosperity to America. In the months leading up to her announcement, Carrie Lake had been a top
0: surrogate for President Trump's campaign, boosting his national profile by campaigning for President Trump across the country. President Trump has praised her as a great fighter.
2: Every day more and more Americans are waking up to what an utter disaster the Democrats are for America. In 2024, I will return to the White House and get our country back on track to undo the damage that Biden and the radical Democrats have done. Republicans must win and we must win very, very big. It's much harder for them to cheat If we do it like we should, if we swamp them, we're going to swamp them. When we get enough votes, they can't cheat, because they can't cheat that badly. I will need a majority in the House and in the Senate. We have to have a big, strong majority to help me push our America First agenda through and to push it through really fast. That starts right here tonight by helping Carrie Lake win in Arizona. And she will win, too. She's an amazing woman, respected by everybody. Kerry is one of the toughest fighters in our movement, and I am proud to give her my complete and total endorsement for the United States Senate. She is very special. With people like Kerry fighting for Arizona in the Senate, with me in the White House, we will make America great again. So God bless you, God bless Arizona, and Kerry, God bless you. You're in a- Amazing journey and you're going to win and we love you very much and it's an honor to endorse you. Thank you very much, Carrie. Thank you very much, everybody. Wow. Whoa.
0: Incumbent Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, who left the Democratic Party last year in order to register as an independent, has not yet said whether she will run for re-election. Democrats currently hold a slim one-seat lead in the Senate with three independent senators, including Senema, caucusing with the Democrats. Arizona is considered one of the five seats most likely to be flipped in 2024. Seats in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Montana, and West Virginia are also hotly contested. Several times... Joe Biden denied that he ever discussed business with his son, Hunter Biden. However, a new FOIA request that was obtained by America First Legal via a lawsuit revealed that Joe Biden emailed Hunter Biden, James Biden, and their respective firms tens of thousands of times when Joe Biden was vice president. On Friday, in a joint status report that was published by the Washington, D.C. District Court, the National Archives and Records Administration (NARA) finally admitted that it knew of 4243 emails between then Vice President Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And that's not all. There were 1751 emails between Joe Biden and James Biden and 19335 emails between Joe Biden and Hunter's private investment firm, Rosemount Seneca. Rosemount Seneca is a group of entities that are associated with Rob Walker and Devin Archer. In addition, Joe Biden sent 3,738 emails to Lion Hall Group, which was James Biden's CCP-connected consulting firm. In September, James Comer, subpoenaed Lion Hall Group because the committee could not identify legitimate services provided by James Biden's companies. As we reported recently, the Biden family business received at least $20 million in payments from Russia, Ukraine and Kazakhstan that are linked to Rosemount Seneca. Following the recent revelation of the emails, America First Legal stated that these damning numbers further confirm that there was never a wall separating the office of the vice president and Hunter Biden's business endeavors. In fact, there was extensive commingling between them. At this point, it's unclear exactly what the emails said. This is because NARA claimed that it would take more than 15 months to go through the data that was requested by America First Legal. However, these emails alone prove that Joe Biden has lied about his involvement in his family deals that were made to sell favor to foreign officials. NARA is expected to produce more information from America First Legal's FOIA request. According to the Joint Status Report, NARA will continue to process 1,250 pages of potential response records each month. The U.S. Attorney David Weiss who investigated Hunter Biden, wanted to bring charges against Hunter in Washington last year, but the prosecutor in charge of the case refused to do so. District of Columbia U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves told members of Congress about this in a recent interview, according to a transcript that was reviewed by the Epoch Times. Graves recounted to Congress how he was approached by David Weiss in early 2022. Weiss said that he had an investigation that he had been conducting. Graves said some of the charges related to that investigation needed to be venued out of the district. And he described the logistical support that he needed. Weiss told Graves that he definitely needed the logistical support. Weiss also told Graves that we can talk about joining the investigation. Weiss's request for assistance included the convening of a grand jury by Graves with the prosecutor recommending charges against Hunter Biden. Weiss asked Graves, can you either take over the case for him or you facilitate him prosecuting the case? Graves replied, yes. According to records, Attorney Graves then met with five or six people from his office to determine whether Hunter should be charged with tax offenses. Three weeks later, Graves' office decided not to to get involved in the Hunter Biden case. But Graves refused to reveal the names of those involved in the decision to not prosecute Hunter Biden and he refused to reveal the reason why they chose to not prosecute. Graves said, I unfortunately cannot get into the why without getting into the case specifics of an ongoing investigation. Graves also said, it's normal for federal prosecutors to file tax lawsuits without cooperating with the Justice Department's tax division. But in Hunter's case, David Weiss needed the tax division's approval in order to open a grand jury investigation into Hunter Biden. So, this helps to clarify an important point. Attorney General Merrick Garland claimed that Weiss had the final authority to charge Hunter. However, Graves says that Weiss could not file the charges against Hunter Biden in another jurisdiction without the approval of several departments, including the Tax Division of the U.S. Department of Justice, the DOJ. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.